Welcome to the Model Vision Podcast. It has been some time, but we are back with a very special episode focusing on digital engineering, a very hot topic for us specifically, but I believe a lot of our customers too. Uh, today, I have Casey, John, and John with me um, to talk about digital engineering and really just give uh, an overview of what it is and then answer some of those questions that might help um, you decide if it's something you need for your program or if it's something that you need for another reason. Um, so everybody, welcome. Uh, thank you for being on. Um, I'm gonna start with John Sliger as far as introductions go. Do you wanna give a little bit of information about who you are, what you do for the company, that kind of stuff? Absolutely. Uh, John Sliger, uh, system engineer, model-based system engineer, can't claim digital engineer as much as John DeHart can, but uh, definitely uh, uh, building up the skill set there. Uh, currently supporting our Navy aviation customer over on the Future Vertical Lift program, uh, now called the Vertical Takeoff and Landing Family of Systems as we continue to add more platforms there. But that's a completely digital engineering and model-based approach to uh, DOD acquisition. John DeHart or Casey? You can decide which one, whoever goes next. Uh, Devontae Casey here, uh, currently supporting and underneath John Slider here as product owner as a part of FBL. Background includes a lot of operations, uh, five years in the Marine Corps with the Young Man Aircraft Squadrons, uh, training and teaching and also deploying uh, systems as well. Um, and uh, down with Avium doing model-based systems engineering. Awesome. Yeah, John D. Hart here, uh, been kind of every type of engineer over the last around 20, 25 years. Uh, moved over into systems about 10 years ago. Um, I'm working with John and Casey here to support Navair, helping them put together their, their digital environment. And that's been you know quite a task because there's not many out there in the world. So we're really you know starting from scratch and we're working through it uh, daily. It's been fun, but uh, you know stressful. So it's been uh, hopefully Hopefully we're getting better at it. Awesome. So let's just dive into, we keep referencing digital engineering. Obviously that's the topic of this episode, but um, can you guys give a, maybe not brief, but an overview of what digital engineering actually is? John, you sure. go. Yeah, I'll start and then you can uh, back me up. Yeah. I, I think at this point, a lot of people have heard about MBSE, right, and an MBSE transformation, which in systems engineering world, it's taking all the, the paper-based, the paper-centric approach, document-centric approach, and moving towards a more model-based approach, right, digitizing those products, but doing so in a way that uh, an object-oriented manner, so that way it ex it's uh, exploitable by not only the model itself, but other downstream tools and products. Um, so, so, so the downstream tools yeah. and products is where the digital engineering piece comes together. So it's, it's great if you have this system model that describes your behaviors, the state's uh, requirements, uh, the structure, right? But you, you have that, but now you need to do something with it, right? It's, that's, that's just part of the design effort, right? Now you need to go through uh, <clears throat> and, and perform testing on it, perform different uh, analyses on it. Uh, so that comes with the use of other software tools. Um, but in order to connect all that together, they need to interact, connect, uh, communicate. So that way data can pass through them. And that way you can start to achieve a, a more automated workflow pipelines to, to uh, enable reoccurring analyses. 
John. Yeah, I mean that my, the big the big part for me is the automation part. So it turns out that automating uh, your business is one of the hardest things to do in the world, and it the digital engineering aspect of what we've you know, we, we've been building these models for years. A lot of us have been developing engineering models and making miniature workflows, but not full scale business workflows that include you know, uh, mechanical engineering models, electrical engineering models, test and evaluation stuff uh, that just did not exist it kind of in their own silos and they were kind of connected. But now we're really looking to connect all that up all the way through the life cycle and then keep doing it back around, hopefully to shorten the development cycle time for new aircraft or new machines as any machine really. But that's the, the goal there. But to me, the big point is the automation part of we don't discuss it much, and we really need to start talking more about that. Yeah, I think as a company, one of the biggest jobs that we have is to make our customers' lives easier. Um, having you guys with the technical background to automate a lot of these things that are happening on base or happening for different programs is, is definitely ideal um, in, in helping to make their lives easier through automation. Um, what, um, I guess the, the next part of this is just why, why is digital engineering becoming so popular? Like I understand the automation part, does it tie into anything else? Is there a bigger picture here that digital engineering might play with? Um, I mean, the hot things on the top of my head right now are like AI and machine learning. Does that tie in anywhere? I, uh, in general, it enables it. Um, it enables the, the data analyses to be exploitable by machine learning, by model, model-based uh, analysis, by, by AI, right? Um, I, I think the big thing, uh, so, so you say AI, we, we're saying automated, right? It's, it's not, it's, it's a level of automation to be able to click, click a button and hit go manually and analysis is performed, right? Or many, a, a multi-step analysis, uh, analysis is performed. It's the next level, and I think uh, where we're trying, what we're trying to achieve is almost auto. Uh, if I say auto triggered, right? There, you know, uh, there's something monitoring, some kind of watchdog monitoring for a condition to change or a value to either hit within a tolerance or out of tolerance, and that actually initiates an autom some kind of automated workflow that says, "Hey, look, uh, your machine's running slow. All right, let's kick it off. Let's perform the analysis. Let's pull in all the." The, the built-in test information, uh, let's pull up the performance data from you know this time period and automatically perform the analysis so we can give that operator, that uh, that person monitoring the, the the setup, the system, information and either, you know, and then go all the way to recommending. It's like, based on the, here's the analysis, here's the data supports it. We, you know, the, the, the system recommends you take this action, do you concur, right? So that that's all, all the way up to uh, even maybe small ones, maybe maybe the operator is just alerted when a change is made, right? Maybe it, uh, as you as you go forward and train, collect more data and how you want this system to react, interact, uh, exchange information. You, you reach a level to where uh, the operator, the human in the loop, becomes almost just on the loop, right? Instead of in the loop, uh, <clears throat> more more of a monitoring situation. Uh, Ian, just to, just to add on to what John is saying, I think about decision-making, and I actually think about bringing and delivering a system quicker and sooner, right? So um, I, I like to look at 
the digital engineering environment, somewhat similar to Microsoft Office, right? Before Office 365 was set up, we were operating in Word. We were sending emails back and forth to one another to download and, and, and understand our content. Now that's more in a cohesive manner, right? We're essentially operating from the cloud. Everyone's integrated in together. We can work collaboratively on the same document or the same model. Uh, so for me, I think about producing a system quicker and I think about getting to decision-making uh, a, lo a lot quicker as well. Great point. Yeah, I'll just quickly add that I feel like the, the to me, the big importance here is developing the digital twin versus the aircraft. But I think the misunderstanding is that the digital twin shows up later in the development process. It's not true. I, you start developing the twin immediately. That's the first thing you do is make this twin. There is no real aircraft until much later down the line. But you can simulate in the twin everything all the way through sustainment and testing it out right there in the twin. Then through the, you know, using this environment, this digital engineering environment, then when the real aircraft shows up, you can pair them up and see where our twin deviates. Our twins will get better and better and better over the years as we keep doing them. But you know, the first few are gonna, the air, airplane's gonna be doing this, we're not gonna be doing the same thing. We link them up. They're also not gonna be doing the same thing in sustainment, all this other stuff. So you gotta practice everything, the whole life cycle in this digital environment, up front, bring in the aircraft later, make sure they both match up, and then you can really start having some fun, uh, hopefully reducing this whole uh, life cycle time frame. Yeah. Definitely. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned digital twins. Um, can you give a brief explanation of what, what that term means? Um, I, I realize it's probably something to do with like a simulation in a digital environment. Is there more to it than that? Well, I, I mean, I, I, I've just, to me, it's simulating the entire thing not just the six-off simulation of the aircraft flying, but the sustainment capabilities of the aircraft, how you would sustain it, you know, it, all the way down to engine performance and details of engine performance. So your twin can get higher and higher fidelity as you go along. But, it, you know, there's also a term called digital shadow, which I learned a couple of years ago, which is essentially a twin that doesn't receive any information from the aircraft. So that's a other side that's kind of what you're doing up front you're really building this little shadow up front then you build a twin to match the airplane because it gets feedback from the aircraft it also provides information to the aircraft so they're both synced up and they're both flying hopefully doing the same thing when you're testing right. um, but the twin is really not just an airplane model but the whole thing you know the entire system of systems model eventually is a twin Thanks for watching this episode of the Model Vision Podcast. On the next episode, we'll continue this conversation about digital engineering and what exactly that is for us, for our customers, and for anybody that might be interested in the world of digital engineering. This episode is cut up into three sections, so be sure to watch over the next couple of weeks as we finish out this conversation. John, John, and Casey are all in these next few parts, and they get more in-depth into what digital engineering is, what it means for you, and what it means for potential customers in the future. If you want to learn more about digital engineering, you can visit avian.com slash digital engineering. That's A-V-I-A-N.com slash digital hyphen engineering. Thank you again for watching the Model Vision podcast. I'll see you guys next time.